everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and I am so excited. Today, I'm going to be talking to Jason Fleming, who you may know as the Sagittarian Mind or Sagittarian Mind, depending on the platform that we're using, but a Sagittarius Mind for sure, undoubtedly. Jason is a sun and rising in Sagittarius, a moon in Cancer. We love to see it. Um, And one of the reasons that I was so excited to talk to Jason today and to bring Jason on Stars Like Us is because I am uh, I'm a fangirl. I'm a huge fan of, um, I mean, really, basically everything that you're creating and sharing, especially on Instagram. Um, I love your super educational posts. They're super digestible. The design is beautiful. They're simple. They're easy to read. For those who are not yet following the Sagittarian Mind, um, if you go on Instagram and check out the page, you're going to see tons and tons of really useful, really relatable information about the planets, the houses, the planets in the houses, the planets in the signs, the signs, great interpretations that can really enhance and infuse your interpretation of your own birth chart. And if you are interested in professional practice, can also help the way that you understand and interpret these placements and others charts. So I'm really just a big fan of your work. I think that it is like a a huge service to the astrology space, to be honest, um, because sometimes it's hard to find easy and digestible information about these planets, especially for beginners who are just getting started. So that's my big introduction and way of saying hello. Nice to meet you. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I think that probably that's why I do what I do, because, you know, you look around and you see a lack of that. But you see a need for that. And so I, I figured that the best way to fill that space instead of complaining about the lack of digestible content and everything is to make some. So I, you know, I feel really comfortable in that space and doing that. So how did you begin this process of taking these different placements and then breaking them up? And do you do your own graphic design? Uh, yeah, I just have like a little, you know, like a little app or whatever. And then just you, you can just change everything in it, right? So I like the different color combinations and everything else just because, you know, visually, something visually striking to people, that's just the way people work. You know, their eyes attach to something and they're more likely to read the message, you know, whatever it is that you're stating. So let's go back in time even further. How did you find yourself working with astrology? What is your journey into the space? You know, it's not a real, I don't I, what I would say, unique story. It's just um, in college, uh, I remember, you know, like, they're always trying to give credit cards away to college students. That's true. <laughs> I remember I got a credit card. And so I happened to be reading something. And so, and this dates me really back to then. But so there's there was a company called Para Research, P-A-R-A Research. And um, they offered this this book it was like a you know a little plastic book with like 25 pages or so uh, a birth chart so that was like the first thing i um i purchased on the credit card <laughs> and so i got it in the mail like i went to school in the 90s right in the mid to late 90s to, in college so you know you get the book like it came fedex or whatever like two days later and then i just i was i was reading that for like the next couple weeks right 
I was so enthralled with the information and everything. And I said, you know what? This would be really interesting to study. So how did, but how did it even come to be that out of all of the things that you purchased with your credit card that you were struck and inspired to make that purchase? That's not what every college student does. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, I've been dabbling in it, you know, um, trying to get my hands on a few books about it. And I'm always interested in anything that really um, would be connected to personality development, et cetera. So I was into like the Myers-Briggs and those kind of things like that. And I felt like astrology was more intricate in the way that it presented things. So uh, it was just something that I, I took to. After school, I was like, well, I probably need to get a real job and um, this is nice, but it still wouldn't leave me alone after that. Mm. Even what I do, you know, in terms of, I'm also in, in recruiting and HR. And so I figured that it's like trading in one piece of paper for another, because all I would do all day is sit there and talk to people about their resume. And so I'm like, well, you just switch the resume for the birth chart. And basically you're doing the same thing. Oh, I love that. That's, I've never really thought about the birth chart as a resume, but it's really, it is. I mean, that is another really great way of thinking about it. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and the conversations would be pretty similar. I still talk to people about why they don't like their job, right? As a recruiter, that's what I do all day. Talk to people about why they don't like their job, why they're trying to get a new job, how they're qualified to get their new job or their educational background or whatever. And there's some parallels where astrology is concerned because usually it's like, it's the angles in the birth chart, why people come to you. Something about themselves, family, relationships, or vocation. For, so for those who are listeners who are not sure what the what you're referring to when you say the angles in the birth chart, can you break that down for our listeners? There's four angular houses, what are called angular houses, the first, fourth, seventh, and the tenth. So the first is really about yourself and your identity development. And the fourth would, part of the fourth would be family concerns. And, and the seventh would be one-on-one relationships, you know, intimate partners. And then the 10th would be our status in the world or vocationally, what our aspirations are. And usually I cover all those in a session with people. So, you know, it was just the fact that the the 10th was the main thing in the recruiting. And so I said, you know what? Um, I can use astrology to help people because in the beginning I was just studying it, let's say for my own personal development. And then I said, you know what? I think I can use my skills, interviewing skills and counseling skills and everything else. And I can, you know, weave it all in here and I can help people. So that's when I decided that I, I wanted to do it. And in whole sign, this would mean that you have Virgo as your 10th house, right? That is right. Yes. So that also checks out. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. I like to describe the angles as sort of the architecture of the chart. Um, I really see it as sort of like, you know, it's it is the foundation, you know, it is like the foundational beam and the what supports the roof to the basement, you know, horizontally and vertically. You have your cardinal cross that everything else is structured around. So between those spaces, we're figuring out how to transition, you know, from self into family or from family into 
uh, you know, external perspective of partnership or other, and then from partnership or other into the 10th house of career and, you know, how legacy and reputation and public image, how would you differentiate the first house from the 10th house? Because sometimes I think that that can get people tripped up too. Well, I would say that the first house is more along the lines of everything that you would need. Let's say you had planets in the first house. I feel like that's everything that you need to be yourself in life. Those components need to be developed in order for you to feel like a fully integrated human being, just period. I think the 10th house is more along the lines of what we leave with the world, you know, what the world sees, what we might want in our tombstone, right? Mm -hmm. How we want to be known uh, by the world and our contribution to the society at large, let's say. Yeah. I often tell people that it takes a lifetime to access the 10th house, that that's not something that we are. Because I often think about the chart using uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and the sort of undulation through time and cycles. And if we apply that formula to it, the 10th house is kind of like the, you know, it's the climax of the story arc. Um, It is like when things really get resolved, which if you are living a long life, isn't going to happen when you're necessarily in your 20s, certainly not before your Saturn return, I would say. Right, right. I feel lucky now just to like know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, (laughs) right, you know, in my life. Because, you know, I have Uranus on the midheaven, right? So it's, you know, it would be typical of a unconventional career path, right? To, you know, to, to astrology, but, you know, now I'm very certain that this is what I'm supposed to be doing in the world. And, and I, I, even at this age, I feel fortunate to have discovered it, you know, back, you know, uh, I started practicing, like I said, 12 or 13 years ago. Um, and, um, you know, I feel like now it's just a, a matter of building on it. So when you are creating your content that you are sharing, which is, you know, breaking down a lot of the different variables, you know, almost algorithmically of, you know, this planet, uh, this sign, this house, what formula do you use personally in isolating and coming up with the impressions of that? Uh, Half written articles. (laughs) <laughs> that, that was supposed to be written. I mean, that was supposed to be posted on my blog. You know, there's a there's a tons of stuff that I have that's just I never published on my blog. Right. It's just, you know, notes and things that I had written or the ways that I had arranged things. And so I, I typically use those things. Just it's kind of like from the from the vault. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I still have a whole lot more. I, I I often find that I will send them to my clients as a way of, you know, if I'm working with them and they're at the end of the session, they're still like, I'm still not clear about my North Node or like, I'm, you know, what does this mean? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'll send you some resources after. The first thing that I'll do is I'll send them a picture from your Instagram page because you just have these very digestible bite-sized pieces of information, these sort of like um, little kernels of wisdom, if you will, about the different placements. But something that I've noticed that you're doing, and now I'm not sure if this is just because 
of Instagram's own algorithms and how it's getting to me. Maybe these are things that you posted fucking two months ago and they're just for some reason on my timeline now. But suffice it to say, I'm noticing that you're also doing these beautiful posts, which is sort of like, don't forget your humanity. You know, like don't let the all of these placements trip you up so much that you're actually forgetting that you are a whole being and all of this is included in that whole beingness of you. And I have been really like moved and struck by that because after last year, after 2020, and I think I'm sure that you noticed too, that astrology became, you know, the pandemic really propelled astrology forward with even more momentum, which was already building because people were so, you know, are so at a loss for understanding what's going on. So classic, you know, looking to the stars for answers. But with that also came a lot of people who had that sort of, you know, the desperation of like, I need, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean? What am I fated? Am I cursed? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? And I have found myself increasingly being like, back up, you know, like back up. Nothing is good or bad. Like this is your interpretation of this is going to inform your perception of how this is playing out. Don't forget the humanity of this. You know, you have choice, you have agency, you have free will. And I'm curious as to what has sort of prompted you to also incorporate that into your work as well. And if you have noticed similar things in, you know, in your profile or coming through your DMs. Uh, Yeah, I've, that's been something that uh, I, I feel like I've been saying that for a number of years. Uh, you know, I mean, I tell people all the time, what's good today can be bad tomorrow and vice versa also. Uh, you know, I think it's more about growth. And, and that's, you know, the way I was introduced to astrology, the people that influenced me in the beginning, I think that they had that mindset. So I think that was something that was pretty much a natural fit for me and my own temper. Right. How can how can I take advantage of this chart? How can I live my purpose to the best of my ability? Uh, you know, what are my strengths? What are some potential challenges? Uh, you know, when are these cycles of growth going to take place or cycles of crisis, et cetera? Uh, I, so I feel like that that's been with me for a while. Uh, I mean, what, and, and about the humanity part, that's a really big part of what I would consider to be my philosophy that. Number one, we're a whole person, so it's very difficult just to isolate. I only isolate things for the purposes because I have to do that, right? You, you know, you can't, I don't have room, <laughs> right? You know, like, let's say on Instagram, right? You have a, a, an allotted amount of space in what I'm typing and putting in there. So, you know, I, I always want to make it clear to people that anything in your birth chart is always in relation to everything else you know, how it fits in there. And there's so many variables, you know, people, I feel like they ask questions and think that you can just be like, yes, (laughs) you know, and that's the end of it. Right. You know, I mean, and, and it's never, it's always a yes, but yes. And, you know, or, or whatever, there's always an explanation. And that's what I really want people to understand. But, but you know what, I don't blame people for that because I feel like the way people write about astrology sometimes it can easily lead people to think that that's the way that it is, right? That there's a simple answer to everything, right? It's easy. People always say, hey, quick question. And the question is quick. 
<laughs> totally, totally, totally. <laughs> it's never quick. But they think that the answer can be just as quick as, as the question, right? Or some people may not know how loaded the question is that they're asking, right? So, uh, you know, I try to do my best to educate on that because, you know, it's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of an example, right? Something that might appear obvious in the beginning, like someone with the Sun-Mars conjunction. And, you know, they talk about this person's motivation and how passionate they are to get things done. And they're just hard driving. But then there's a, there's a square to Saturn, right? Or something like that, right? That, that might hold that up. And, you know, you, people don't hear about that, but that's definitely going to flavor or color that particular conjunction. Right. But it's just these things that require explanation. Right. And then, you know, like if it's a sun Mars conjunction in Aries or in Leo, that's going to look really different than if it's in Libra or Cancer, you know, or and then based on the house that it's in, and then also based on the age of the person, and then based on the circumstances of their life, you know, like, did they have the space to be able to feel passionately and to live vigorously? Or was that something that was stunted? Um, that was something that was not, you know, they didn't have the space or the platform or the ability to do something, then that Sun-Mars conjunction can feel a lot like, you know, digging your, you know, being caught in the mud, stuck in the mud with the car, as opposed to, you know, driving fast with your race car, you know? So there's just like, there are so many details that make answering something like that absolutely impossible, you know? And exactly to your point, I'm just nodding my head vigorously as you're speaking on this, because so often, you know, I'll post something and someone will comment like, what does it mean to have Gemini in the 11th house with Gemini moon in the 11th? And it's like, sure, I can say you're, you know, you you are emotionally fulfilled through socializing on the Internet. And like that might be true, but it also might not be true because I don't know who that person is and I don't know what the rest of their chart is. We're making assumptions about things when we only have one tiny fraction of information that may not have any actual relevance or bearing on the rest of the chart. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, and I always tell that, you know, I always tell people I'm talking from the standpoint of sitting across from someone or talking to a client about their life. Right. I mean, I tell people all the time that as astrologers, we can be right and wrong at the same time. Totally. Beautiful. I love that. You know, hey, Venus in the six, you love small pets, right? <laughs> Something like that. And that can be right, but it can be irrelevant to the client's life. So therefore, we're wrong because what we're trying to do is, uh, you know, present the information in a way where it's relevant to the person's lived experience. Right. And the tricky thing is, and I think that what I have noticed you do on on your page on Instagram is is educate on the different placements and then different interpretations and then also punctuate it with saying, hey, you need to take everything into consideration. You know, hey, these things don't live in a silo. Hey, this needs to be like, you know, adjusted and calibrated for the individual and can't just be taken at face value and applied to every situation and every circumstance default, you know? 
Right. I, I think that's important because last thing I want somebody to do is just take something and run with it. Totally. <laughs> which, which you see a lot of people do, right? Especially when it comes to, let's say, relationship stuff, right? They'll take one piece and then, it, you know, they'll think that that defines their whole relationship profile. And that's pretty dangerous. Yeah. And just in, in doing that kind of thing. Yeah, it is. And the the tricky thing, and I think that what, you know, we're really kind of talking about here is the fact that astro- like you do need to have the technical ability to know what a planet or placement is, know what it does in that sign, and know how it does it in that house. And then in, you know, as you continue to layer in aspect to the other planets. But all of that can go out the window if it's not relevant. So it's there also needs to be the fluidity and the flexibility to adjust and to be informed by the chart and that person's experience um, as it relates to their life. Because if it's not to your point, you know, it's like, sure, we can talk about small animals in the sixth house. And, and but if somebody is like, I, I'm allergic to pets, it's like, Okay, great. Then <laughs> it's fine. They come in telling you that they want to discuss their job and their marriage, and then you're like, "You like small pets?" Totally. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's um, you know, it's one of those things that whenever I can, I try to convey to people. E- even like if I use myself as an example, right? People are like, you know, Sagittarius, you know, jovial, this, that, and the other, you know. But there are other things in the chart that, you know, I have a, a, a square from the moon to Pluto. I have a T-square with the sun, the moon, and Pluto, like all together. You know, those kinds of things that modify or intensify or, you know, but all they see is, you know, Sagittarius, optimistic, jovial, you know, the traveler. <laughs> huh. I'm, not, I'm not saying that's not true, but I'm just saying that there's other dimensions that are added to that as well. Even, you know, just having a cancer moon. Totally. But I think I'm optimistic about, look, I just said, I just said that. And then I said, I'm optimistic. <laughs> I'm starting to sense what's going on, but I am optimistic about people's ability to grasp this kind of thing. Right. I think it's moving more so in, in that direction, I would hope. And maybe it's just because I feel like every time that I have a chance to say something about it, I always am. Even with clients, right, who I might meet on Instagram or Twitter, initially they'll think the same thing, but then we'll get into the session and they'll be like, okay, now I see what you meant, right, on Instagram about how you couldn't just answer this question like that. When I take them through the chart, you know, even even sometimes, you know, I have my sessions broken down. Uh, in half an hour, 75 minutes and two hours. Right. So sometimes I've had people say, well, how can you possibly talk two hours about a birth chart? Right. But then they'll get the session and then they'll see that that's definitely a possibility to be able to, to do that because it's just so much stuff. You, you've got to talk about the chart itself, what's going on now. Right. And what's forecasting in regard to the future, you know, everything because the current transits are also in the picture when it comes to the meaning of your chart. Right, right. 
the current transits are going to show you where you are in that journey of your chart actualizing and and different transits. You know, somebody could come in for a birth chart reading and if they have Pluto on one of their their angles, it's like kind of hold everything, you know, like you're going through some sort of a cataclysmic transformation that's been going on for a couple of years. What are we transforming? And then to go back to your point, it's like then, you know, sure, Venus in cancer in the sixth house was like, you know, yes, you like pets. But like if you have Pluto fucking going through your across your ascendant or on your midheaven, like there's there's more pressing things to talk about here. I don't know what I would have said to someone who, you know, my son and ascendant make a conjunction. They're at almost 29 degrees. And my moon in Cancer is at zero. Oh, wow. So back when Pluto was going through Sagittarius, you know, so it was on my sun and ascendant trans by transit and then immediately opposed my moon. Wow. When it went into Capricorn, right? And if somebody would have said, you like small pets or something like that, <laughs> right then, it just wouldn't have been a, a good thing. Do you remember what was going on when Pluto crossed your ascendant? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a daughter who's almost 13. She was born at that time, uh, you know, turmoil, you know, relationship stuff, right? All that kind of stuff around that time. And, and I think astrology really at least helped me to navigate that. You know, it's kind of like going to the doctor, right? And, and the difference between the doctor sitting down and explaining to you what's going on with your body and the doctor saying, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I mean, because I, I just got, I just got comfort in in knowing what was happening, understanding the transformative period that what what, what Pluto was trying to do, so to speak, during that time. So just reading about it and being in the midst of that experience, even though it still was you know tumultuous and everything else, but just knowing. Hey, this is what is supposed to be happening, right? Or successfully navigated. This is what this experience looks like, right? It, and, and so that's my my studies. It was crazy too because my studies, like I was making so much progress, right? Astrologically, and my life was like not good. <laughs> like you know, my my relationship, you know, everything like that was you know on the rocks. A lot of turmoil there, but. My progress astrologically in learning, just I was just absorbing things, you know, crazily, you know, during that time. Yeah, I'm uh, 12 degrees Capricorn rising. So I've had a Pluto cross my ascendant, too. And that was when I transitioned into astrology. Um, and so it's it really for me was a one to one. And when I see Pluto, you know, so this would be if you have. Um, one of your angular placements, so your ascendant, your IC, your MC, or your DC, in a car in a cardinal sign, but specifically in Capricorn, you know, for the past since two thousand and eight, Pluto will either have been or is coming up if you're at the latest degrees of it to cross that space, which is really going to for those listeners like differentiate a before and after period. It's a really long transitional time, but there's distinctly a before Pluto crossed this angular placement to after Pluto crossed. And it's 
you know, as consulting astrologers, if we see someone going through that in someone's chart, it's like, sure, they might be in a relationship or they might be trying to figure out what their right job is. They might be unhappy. They might just be generally like feeling lost and confused. And that would check out, you know, it would check out that they are questioning everything in their life in the same way. I mean, I would say even with a little bit more chutzpah than even Saturn return in some ways, you know, because Saturn return, like those aren't unfamiliar narratives. Pluto can literally bring you into spaces that you never believed or dreamed possible. So it's like if you're working with a client who has something cataclysmic like that happening in their chart, you're not really interested in the minutia of your your Mercury's in Virgo, you know, like what, what does that look like? Which is hard. And I I think that listeners should know that that's really a a very delicate dance for us as astrologers and consulting astrologers, because we know that when someone is booking a session with us, they have certain expectations for what they're going to get out of it. And we want to honor that and we want to have them have a full and enriched experience. But oftentimes it's not going to look like us just going down a list like as if we're fucking cafe astrology here you know ring around the rosy right (laughs) this is your sun this is your moon this is your rising i mean it just doesn't doesn't go like that i mean i can even tell you that probably out of every 10 clients that i have probably eight have something in the late degree cardinal sign like literally like every week 27 degree venus and cancer right 27 degree Venus and Capricorn. I mean, it's just because Pluto is is hitting all of those cardinal points, right? Or what I notice is Uranus is crossing a lot of people's descendants. Yes, yes. In the Taurus settings in the seventh, Uranus is there. You know, hey, my, my first question is like, hey, so are you in a relationship? How's that going? And then just silence. Just silence. Right. And then they're going to be like, but is that my Venus in Scorpio? Is that my Venus in Leo? And you're like, no. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, I think, and I don't know necessarily how to do this, right? How to go about doing it. But I think a lot of the astrological writing out there, right? You know, just because sometimes you just, you're late one night up and you're just like, let me Google this, right? And just look on the internet as to what's around, right? It can it can give you the impression that's the way information is delivered, right? You know, I think some people feel like, and, and, I, and I always like to use the language consultation, right? Instead of reading when I'm talking about clients, because to me, a consultation indicates participation and dialogue, right? From the other person, because I need to hear from you. I need to hear how you experience these things in your chart. A reading to me indicates that you listen and I talk, right? You 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 listen and I just deliver the information. Like a bell's going off. Boom, boom, ding, ding, ding. You know, you've got this and this. Ding, you know, you're this. Ding. And it like seems to be more of like a descriptor of a person's personality, right? And and, and this is just my opinion, but our job as astrologers is not to describe your entire personality. Right. Is to help you with whatever you came to us for. Yes. So I'm going to address, you know, you say my marriage is falling apart. I'm not going to be like, well, you know, it looks like when you were six, you fell off your bike and scraped your knee. Right. It's irrelevant. 
you know, I, I make, I try to make such a point to prepare people for what a session is going to actually look like. It's very hands-on, you know, and it's a dialogue, it's a conversation, and it's, we have to throw everything out on the table in order for us to understand what the chart is doing, which means I'm asking a lot of questions. And I I don't ha- have a lot of spaces now where somebody who is totally unfamiliar with my work is booking a session with me. But even every so often still, I'll get a session of like, should I tell you that? Is that, or, you know, shouldn't you know? And it's like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course, I don't know. I have no idea what you know, these placements actually are doing in your life. I know what they technically mean, but how they relate to your experience, I don't know. I can, I like, I can sort of direct us into this area and say, you know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff on your IC. I'm wondering if you're starting to have deeper recognition of what where you came from of the you know with the childhood experience you had if that's informing your future but I don't know like we have to work together in order for us to be able to understand how the birth chart comes to life Mm, we need the client because there's so many variations and I don't have I don't particularly have a problem with let's say learning astrology like in a keyword form totally Right. Which is why what you're doing is so important, you know, because you do need to just know what the things do, where they are, what they mean. But then it goes deeper. Yeah, right. So the, the, the problem with the keyword format sometimes is that that's the where it stops for people. Right. So it's like Venus relationships. That's all. You know, it's like there's like 50 other variations of Venus. Right. 20 other variations of the moon. So it, it's you have to understand that the way that things combine, there's so many different variations of the way things can combine. And so when we see Venus, relationships may be in play. They may not be. It could be the way you feel about your beauty. Yeah. I mean, it could be a number of things. The moon could be about your mother. It could be about your home, your physical dwelling. It could just be about you and your general comfort level. It could be about a partner. You know, there's so many different ways that these things can um, can play out, right? So we have to know about your experience. Two people can have the exact same type of configuration in their chart. One can experience it totally different than the other. You know, that's why that's interesting you brought up the Saturn return because I think I put something on Instagram about, you know, what I felt like was one of the themes of the Saturn return generally and, you know, some people were talking about how difficult their Saturn return was. But then I also have stories where people's Saturn return is very much reaping the harvest of their work, right? Um, you know, someone has put in a lot of work, a lot of effort. Now they're being rewarded with, with greater status for this good faith effort that they've put in, right? And it works because they, they people usually, it seems, I don't know why, Saturn is the planet that people describe as most punitive, it seems like. <laughs> when they talk about, like, you know, people are like, oh, they don't even really know anything about Saturn. They just know to, to bemoan it whenever it's mentioned, right? Like Mercury retrograde, right? Totally. Like people might not know that much about astrology, but they hear that and they're like, oh. So <laughs> Saturn, I, I feel like we, we, we get a better understanding, as we, at least, you know, as we mature 
or as we become older, uh, where Saturn is concerned. And then I think we re- relax on it a little bit. Totally. And it makes sense because Saturn is time, right? So in order to understand Saturn, you also have to reach certain age milestones to be able to have the perspective of what Saturn is doing. And I'll get clients still coming through and they're like 23, 24 years old. And they're like, can we start looking at my Saturn return? I'm like, no, absolutely not. It's like you have Saturn is two zodiac signs away from your Saturn return still. We have no idea what's going to be going on in your life by the time Saturn is getting near the exact degree it was when you were born, you know? So it's it's also kind of recognizing and like I was actually just thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about hoping to be old enough that I will be able to embody the feeling of the Uranus return, right? That happens when you're 84. Because I don't, right, I'm not working with a lot of 84-year-old clients right now. I'm working with a lot of people who are having their Uranus opposition, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not necessarily. I just said something about that the other day too. Yeah, which is a powerful and a really important transformative time. But I do feel, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this, like as an astrologer, and also as a human being, because I'm a human being first, astrologer second, I my relationship with these planets and even what I can advise on deepens the older that I get and the more life experience I live, both by way of my own embodiment of these planets and then also through working with more clients and seeing more perspectives of how these can play out. Um when And then when you have something like Uranus, which has an 84-year orbit, I wouldn't be able, at this point right now in my early 30s, I, if I had the privilege of working with an 84-year-old client, I don't even know if I would be the right fit for them to talk about a Uranus return because I wouldn't even know how to envision that, you know, in reality. Like, I know what it means technically, but how that fits in someone's body, how they feel going through a Uranus return, I'm not sure yet. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think in those things, we might look at celebrity figures or something that are having that. I believe like Quincy Jones had that. Right. And he was all in GQ and he was (laughs) he was talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Right. And he he really didn't care. That's that's the impression that I got. Right. He was kind of like letting it all fly. Right. (laughs) That's what I envisioned that Uranus opposition, the second one as being, you know. Yeah. Just knowing that, like, let's say Kanye's a cancer rising, right? It's a cancer rising. So that means he has a Capricorn seventh house, right? So Pluto, I, I think, it, and, I, and I believe it's about 17 degrees. So Pluto, I've been talking about that for the longest. Pluto going toward that descent, right? So it was no surprise, like the kind of things that were in the news or what was happening you know, around that time. Totally. And I'm not obsessed, right, with celebrities or anything else, but I just think, I think certain people are interesting, right? Um, And, you know, other times I I don't really concern myself with, you know, a lot of stuff. But as a teaching tool, right, in classes that I teach, I think there are certain people who are very much an embodiment of their chart, which are a great teaching tool. Absolutely. I I love looking at celebrity or notable figures charts because they are like our modern day 
gods and goddesses, you know, of like yesteryear where everyone would be like, oh, you know, Athena is like this or Zeus is like that. Like there are certain archetypes that the public agrees on that they possess. So when you talk about archetypes and you use celebrity charts as examples to display those, they're really great ways of being like, here's an exhibition of what this placement looks like with this agreed upon collective consciousness archetype that we have for this public persona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I use celebrity charts all the time in teaching because we can get on the same page. You know, we both can agree what's going on with Britney Spears. We can agree with what's going on with Kanye. We can agree with Kim Kardashian. You know, like we know how to like there are certain um shared understandings of these individuals that we can almost become slightly objective in in a way where we can all say, yes, we know that this person is this way, whether or not that's true or false, we would agree on that definition. Yeah, but because publicly that's in and, and the, the thing with celebrity charts is that we're looking at the public, what we know about that person based upon that. Right. right this right. person could be totally different. Right. 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 So, but what we see and what most people see is, is that what we're talking about? Right. And that's why, you know, celebrity charts are great teaching tools, but you can't really do you couldn't do a session for Kanye without Kanye being present. You know what I mean? Because his chart is a fabulous teaching tool to be like, OK, well, what's going on? What's the timing? What's the transits? What do we know? But. If you were in a one on one consultation with him, you would be having different conversations because you would get the inner world. You'd get the intimacy. You'd get that Pisces moon is what you'd get. You get a lot of that Pisces moon energy and be able to figure out what the fuck is going on with that. And, you know, he's got a like a whole T-square thing. Oh, yeah. Opposing Neptune and squaring the moon and all that. I know. It's it's really intense. His chart is it stresses me out. (laughs) It's a mutable T-square that he has, right? Right. He's got he's got Jupiter, the sun and Jupiter and Gemini making a conjunction. And that squares the Pisces moon and that uh, squares Neptune and Sagittarius. That's and right. that Jupiter sun conjunction opposes that Neptune. Yeah, of how I interpret that. But, you know, it's uh, which I think is a public uh, played out, right? You know, you, you might see yourself as one thing, right? Sun-Jupiter conjunction, you might see yourself however you see yourself. That opposes Neptune. So to me, that means that the way you might think of yourself, right, (laughs) is not necessarily the way everybody else sees you. Totally. Yeah. Which is a great example of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I love The Twilight Zone. It's one of my favorite TV shows. And I was just, I think Rod Serling is also just like a fascinating, really a profound like thinker i was not surprised to find out he is a moon and sag with his storytelling but i was also really his midheaven is in leo conjunct neptune in leo and for him to like have innovated entertainment through his storytelling with that trine to leo to his moon it was like perfect like what a beautiful example of seeing neptune at the very top of your chart you know play out in such a literal way, uh, with the Scorpio rising, no less. So, of course, he's making all this spooky shit. So it's, you know, you can look past, present and future to see and sort of get these great little like snippets 
of how the planets could interact with each other through those. But it's a different type of astrology than a consultation, you know, and I think that that is why there might be sometimes this disconnect with um, astrology enthusiasts who are, you know, we you'll they'll see us like doing an interpretation of a public person's chart and then expect that that's how we're going to show up in their session but it's not because in in that it's really just more for exhibit a exhibit b you know we're like showing it as an example whereas with someone it's like rolling up the sleeves let's talk you know right it's unique to that person yeah and 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 also you know you there's i, I tend to be and this is self-admitted right i tend to be let's say more more optimistic and more um what i would consider idealistic in my interpretations of things right that's that's the side that i land on right so people seeing me do this right and then you might get in a session with them and there might be some very difficult stuff going on and they're like what happened to that positive <laughs> you know that positive sagittarius because you have to talk to talk about some difficult things with people. And you might even have to let them know that this difficult thing that's happening, you need to buckle up because this is going to be a little while longer. Right. Talking about Pluto, right? I mean, you know, Pluto can make a few passes over whatever it's touching, right? So you might be hurt now. And then you have to say, well, listen, we're going to have to, you know, help you through this because this is going to be lasting a while. Right. This is a multi year process. Yeah. And when they're in pain, they want to know. First thing they want to know is when it's going to be over, when it's going right. to stop, right? And so, even even sometimes, you know, when astrology in the public is is presented in a trivial fashion, let's say a person might not necessarily understand like the depth of conversation that happens in a consultation, right? I mean, you know, people might think it's going to be a little bit lighter, and some, you know, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not, right? You you might be working through very difficult material. But, but I mean, I think that's to the person's benefit because they get a chance to address that part of themselves that that they may have been waiting to do that, you know, or really needing to do that. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, we, the chart is going to, and the transits are going to really speak for themselves. You know, like if you have a con, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that someone isn't going to reach out to me if they're just having a bunch of fifth house transits. They're just not. They're vibing. Like it's not, I'm not going to, it's very unlikely that somebody is going to be seeking help when their life is fine, you know, and when they feel like they're in flow and that they're making, you know, they're creating and that they're inspired and, you know, people are seeing their work and validating them and recognizing their talents. Like, you're not like, I really need to talk to an astrologer. It's when you're in some sort of crisis of some capacity. And then there's obviously a spectrum of crisis, you know, um, ranging from, you know, sort of existential to like serious, like I need help. In which case, in those cases, it's like, well, you probably don't need an astrologer. You probably need a lawyer, you know, or you need a therapist or you need a doctor, you know? So it's like when you're on that spectrum of I need help, an astrologer can help only to a certain extent. And then it's like out of our jurisdiction, you know, but there is this sweet spot, which, you know, is for me, really my favorite thing to do, which is seeing, okay, we have these traumas that are coming up again. 
that are cyclical. And now we can use the chart to go back in time and start to understand why the cycle keeps happening. And now we have the agency and the choice to start to shift how we want to react to the cycle happening. And it's not that you're going to ever get rid of this cycle, but you can start to break the pattern. Right, right. And I don't know, I mean, and, and some astrologers I've talked to, but for me, in the last year, I've been busier ever than I have in my entire career Yeah. as an astrologer. I'll say that. In the, I mean, this started like basically with the pandemic around the Super Bowl last year, right, is when I got really busy. And it's and I'm still busy now. I mean, it's been it's like straight through that time, right? I mean, I, it was getting in the way of my other job. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. literally, it's still very busy. So that tells you, I guess, where we are, where the world is. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that that's something that because we've all been so busy, we haven't even really had a chance to catch our breath and say, like, most of us didn't have the infrastructure to be able to scale so fast and so rapidly for the onslaught of people's. Uh, unexpected passion and interest and need for astrology. You know, I know I didn't like I have been working and, and building my career for several years, which, you know, I noticed and I attributed Trump's 2016 win to a shift in people taking to astrology because that was so unexpected and so weird for so many people, even though it was so obvious for so fucking many astrologers, you know, like another Sagittarius moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm I'm so grateful to not hear his voice in my head all the time. But it's it, uh, suffice it to say last year, like already what we were kind of calibrating for with like, OK, you know, the politics in the United States have shifted radically, you know, between 2015, and 2016. And now in 2020, we have a pandemic, which nobody was anticipating, even though, again, astrologers were like, Saturn Pluto is not playing around <laughs> like buckle up because 2020 astrology is the weirdest astrology like on record, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I've talked to a lot of astrologers who have been very feel very fortunate and very grateful to have been able to continue to work through last year, but also are really, you know, have have not been able to take care of themselves um, at all because of how much pressure. My schedule, the way I do it is not the way to do it. <laughs> I realized that someone else can manage that better than I could myself, right? <laughs> That's like Saturn wisdom and knowing your limitations, right? But then I realized I was talking to my assistant the other day and I was like, you know what? I talk to you more than anybody. Like, I don't have regular conversations with people. I'm either recruiting, talking to you about employment, or doing a consultation, talking to you about astrology. But as far as Jason, the person, right, just having everyday normal conversations, it's limited. Yeah. You know, like, I need to take care of myself, or I need to do something, right, for my personal life. Like, even, like, looking at my own chart, right? You forget as astrologers, right? We still have to look at our own stuff, or we still have to have a, a fresh set of eyes to look at it. Absolutely. You're so busy telling everybody else about this stuff that we don't even, you know, really get into our stuff like that. And I think we need to do that, you know, periodically. Totally. And it's, it does take a really heavy 
timing toll and psychic toll on an astrologer to not have reset time, you know? Um, and I, that has been really, I became painfully aware of it at the end of 2020 when, you know, it's in 2019, my mom got re-diagnosed with cancer and that sort of, you know, we, she had surgery at the end of 2019 and then bam, 2020. Right. And like, it was just nonstop of intense personal challenges. And then also a, a major public growth in what, you know, who wanted astrology sessions. And obviously, since this is my full-time job, I was like, of course, you know, I'm going to want to support myself and take these sessions. Um, And at the end of 2020, you know, almost a year after my mom's surgery, my partner and I have moved. We're now, you know, living upstate from the city. My mom is here. Like all I've ever wanted was to have, and my I have a fucking dog. Like I, it's like such a beautiful family unit that I've prayed for. You know, it was like my vision to have a house where I could take care of my mom and have a partner who I love and a dog. And I'm not there. I'm upstairs doing sessions. I'm not present because all day I'm with clients. And it was a really big aha moment and a really intense mindfuck where I was like. I need to set better boundaries here because I'm no longer living my life. My life is just happening. And I'm so busy trying to help everyone else with their life and their stories that mine is actually passing me by. I have a whole family downstairs that I'm so excited to spend time with, but I can't because I'm spending time in everyone else's family, you know? Um, (laughs) Literally, literally, my setup here is like, you know, I'm taking a break from recruiting now. So I've got my days free for a while, you know, but my setup was two computers, right? One work computer, the other, my computer. And literally from eight to five, I'd be on this. And then five after five, I just jump on the other one for the rest of the night. So my days have been like 13, 14 hours, you know, depending, you know, and that's, uh, you know, it's something I've gotten used to, but I can't say that it's like, it's the best thing for me. Right, right. I mean, and also like us, us astrologers are wired as well, you know, we want to help and we're also storytellers and we're also creatives. Like I know that I'm not like um, I'm, you know, a big thinking person, which means that I need a lot of space to be able to think and process and sort of like ruminate on things. I'm not I can't like automate my skills, you know, like they can't be automated. They aren't built to Amazon themselves. But (laughs) but when the demand looks like fucking prime, you snap to it and you start to figure out how to treat yourself like Amazon prime only to discover like you can't really do that. You know, you can't do that with clients. You can't do that with yourself in a sustainable way. Oh, you know, we just have to find ways. I think that's a good topic. Self-care for astrologers. Yeah. (laughs) Even what inspires me, right, to write and to do those things comes from other places when I'm doing what would be considered the most mundane thing, right? And I'll hear hear a song and I'll be like, you know what? I need to write an article about X, Y, and Z. Totally. That's just how it works for me, right? I'll watch a movie and I'll see something in it and I'll be like, I need to correlate that to this in this article. I mean, you know, my brain, I have Mercury and Neptune, Mercury, Venus, Neptune in a, in a triple conjunction together, right? So when I hear some music, when I see a movie, you know, something like that, that's what, that's what flips for me, right? 
Yes, I'm the exact same way. And like, I get my inspiration not from astrology. I get my information from the world. And then I apply astrology to it because that's what is the most fun thing to do. But if you're only in astrology, you start to, you know, you don't have reference points. It's 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 irrelevant. It becomes just this weird theoretical ivory tower technical practice that doesn't actually apply. Like you need to be able to have the space to move outside of just the birth chart in order for the birth chart to make sense. Absolutely. One of the things I tell tell people in classes all the time is that you need to I when I, when I, I put a lot of books on Instagram. Right. And some are astrologically related. You know, most actually, I would say, are astrologically related, but some aren't. And for the specific reason that you need to know about life problems, right? Right. As an astrologer, because when it gets past the astrological jargon, somebody is coming to you about a specific problem or problems they're experiencing in life. If what you know is just limited to astrology, that's where it's going to stop. Right. And you're not going to be able to elaborate or have any context for the life problem that this person is experiencing. Right. I mean, because if someone is saying, hey, I'm going through a divorce and you keep saying, well, Venus, Venus, (laughs) (laughs) Venus and its fault, Venus and its detriment. It's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Who cares? You know, (laughs) this person's getting divorced. (laughs) (laughs) You need to have that some kind of context. Right. The place to specific issue that they're going. So learn about relationships, learn about how people feel about work in the world and their sense of accomplishment and, and career, right? Learn about family dynamics, learn about, you know, general psychology, learn, you know, about how people experience emotions. You know, uh, I, actually, my friends that have no interest in astrology whatsoever have become very valuable to me because people assume that in my off time, that's what I want to talk about, <laughs> right? Like, so they think like, you know, astrology just never stop talking about planets, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I, I have friends that really, they're just like, I can't believe that literally they're like the Jason that they know, they can't make the connection that I'm an astrologer now. So we talk about all types of different things outside of the realm of astrology. And I've actually become more thankful for them. Totally. Yeah. Right. Because they, they contextualize things, you know, like they give, they actually bring these topics to real life. And, and this is the same way that, you know, I, as soon as we can start finding, this is when keywords and archetypes become helpful, right? But instead of just relying on the keywords and archetypes that some dude 2000 years ago constructed, it's like, find your own, you know, find them in 2021, find them in your own life. And this is why I think celebrity charts are important. You know, this is why moving, stepping outside of just the academic aspect of astrology matters is because we need to keep this alive. And if we're going to keep it alive, it can't be just this, like we're only restricted to what people said 2000 years ago. Like, yes, that was relevant to their life, perhaps, but it's not necessarily relevant to ours. Like what does, you know, Pluto look like for us today might be different than what Pluto even looked like in 1930. It was 100 years ago almost. So we have to keep saying agile and fluid and questioning and challenging and and working with these 
uh, archetypes and these symbols in real time in order to understand their value. Yeah, great point. I absolutely agree. You know, and that's where we're doing our work as astrologers, because um, I am certain that we cannot interpret any better than the work that we're doing on ourselves. Totally. Right. So, you know, we have to continue with that, with our own personal development, right, in order to be show up and be more effective for our clients. So, and, you know, that's a process that I very much enjoy for myself, uh, you know, just feeling like that I'm growing and developing and then understanding how much I'll never know about astrology. Like, I mean, one of the things we realize, though, in practicing a while, and I think it does just flesh itself out about areas of interest, right? I can confidently say that there are areas of astrology that I'm absolutely not interested in, right? They don't, they don't really hold my interest too much. Like, I don't get into horrors, right? Me neither. Doing elections for people. Like, that's not something that really turns me on that much, right? But we, we realize that stuff, um, you know, going down the line. It's just like going to school and you say, okay, I want to major in this. Finally, you realize like what you want your major to be and like the area that you want to go. And I feel like that I'm best working one on one with people. And some of the other aspects of astrology will have to remain a mystery to me. You know, there are people who do mundane charts like they do things wonderfully. You just, you know, you're, you're in awe about how someone talks about the United States chart and this this nation's chart and everything else. Or someone says, I lost my keys. Well, I find my keys. You know, click, click, click. No, you know, (laughs) I mean, you know, that stuff is, is amazing to me, but you know, in assessing my own strengths, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily believe that they're in that direction. So you, you learn to work in the direction of what you feel like your strengths are. Totally. Yeah. And I, it's interesting because I have the same, I, those are the two things that I also don't feel very passionately about. I don't feel passionately about horary and I don't feel passionate about electional astrology because I would much rather do a thing whenever you fucking want. Then let's see what happened after by looking at the transits. I would I like to learn through what actually existed and like how something looks and what how that lit up the chart and then be like, aha, yes, interesting fifth house or, you know, sixth house or whatever it was that made it happen or didn't make it happen as opposed to trying to calibrate things ahead of time, because I personally feel like you lose the learning of it. You know, you don't if you don't have the reflection, then you can't see how your chart specifically works or doesn't work. So that's what I have found. But I also admire people who do Hellenistic astrology, ancient astrology. And I think that they're so incredible. Listen, I tried. Right. (laughs) In the, you know, like I've got all the materials, you know, everything else. And it is um, a labor of love, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You can't help but to not admire it. Totally. Really and truly. Well, Jason, this has been absolutely lovely. Per what I had suspected, I could talk to you for hours. This is what happens when two fire signs get together. Um, But where can we find you, Jason? Uh, I have a blog, uh, sagmind.wordpress, right? That's the blog. And usually, you know, I'm, I'm Sagittarian Mind on Twitter and I'm the Sagittarian Mind on Instagram. So those are the different places that usually for the articles, you can find them at the blog. You know, you can find them at the blog. 
and for the, you know, the snippets and the content, Twitter, and Instagram. Love it. Thank you so much. This has been so lovely. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. It's been great talking to you.